Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why does making friends as an adult feel so What hard? should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that Why hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want, want to know, know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. So, I was thinking about doing something a little bit different because this is our last episode final episode of 2023 it's been a a banner year for us we obviously grew so much i mean it makes me emotional like we it's been the best year ever it's been so much fun connecting with all of you listeners and hearing from you and that honestly was my highlight of 2023 but um you know we won't dive into that yeah so i was thinking instead of doing ask the every girl this week especially because i feel like who cares about anything right now like it's that week in between christmas and new year's where you're like i'm just kind of fucking off a little bit yeah nobody wants to hear advice from podcasters no today's not the day i'm changing my life i'm just looking to eat a lot of leftovers and hang out tv Yeah. yeah so i thought emma it would be really fun for us to do some the Evergirl podcast best of our favorite moments of 2023 in pop culture and otherwise. After COVID, the only culture we really had was like whipped coffee and <laughs> making banana bread and TikTok dances. Yeah. Celebrities culture decided to be like, here's a lot for you. So yeah. 2023 was the year of culture. Also bizarre that that happened and all of Hollywood was on strike. Yeah, yeah. For a large portion of the year. There was a lot going on. So a lot we need to dive into. First yes. question for you. I'm going to keep it light and easy. What was your favorite trend of this year? I'm going to pick two. Okay. One of them is bows, which I know is uh, going to be going into 2024. But it really hit us in these last couple months of the year. Right now I'm looking out at the office. There are at least four of us here with hair bows. I did to see how people expand on that trend in the new year. Do you feel like bows? This is our thing as we dive deep into things. It's about about girlhood. It's about it's about girlhood. It's about healing your inner child. No, yes, yeah, hundred percent. It's about connecting with your inner child. And we wouldn't have the bow trend if it wasn't the summer of Taylor Swift and Barbie. This is all a domino effect. All of these things are connected. What's your next trend? Oh, my next favorite trend is blush. There was this moment over the summer where everyone was just like, let's go really heavy handed with the blush. And makeup trends are a whole other thing that I think are going to change in the coming years and we're going to change our approach to them. But for me, the blush trend was really fun because it just made me feel like, I don't know, I look like I've 
been outside. 2023 was so into blush. Whereas like years past, it's been all about bronze or contour. Yeah. I love a rosy cheek. So when do you say that you feel like beauty trends are going to be like, do you think that a beauty trend in itself will be extinct? People are so sick of how quickly they're going. And it's just getting to the point where like everything is trending all the time. And so it's going to be more about developing your personal beauty style. I totally agree with you. We've seen this in wellness. Maybe it's less that we've seen it. I've been trying to push it to people, but that it's less about what new trend is there. And it's more about what, what feels good in my body. I think we're going to do the same thing with beauty yeah. 1000%, especially with beauty where everybody just wants to look really good. That's the definition of beauty, right? So it only makes sense that you're not trying these crazy trends all the time. It's just like whatever's feeling good for you, whether that highlights my features best yeah. or it's like, I feel so cool when I wear blue mascara. Yeah. And maybe that's not like each trend. I feel really cool doing it. And it's just it's, about what you feel good in. People are going to start wanting to do more of that gut check. What you feel good in, look good in you know. Yeah. yeah, That's a really what good were point. your top trends? If we are talking about trends. I just feel like 2023 was the year where we officially overdid the core. Why yeah. does everything need to be a core? It was like mermaid core, Barbie core, your core, strawberry girl core, tomato no, girl I, core. Like, we're done. My favorite trend, I love the Nancy Myers aesthetic. It's so timeless that I know it's not really like trendy, but I love that people hopped on and recalled it like Coastal Cowgirl and all these things where it really just comes down to this very nostalgic rom-com-esque vibe. It it just feels happy. Okay, I'm a next question for you. I want to know of 2023, what was the oddest couple to you? Like what couple pairing felt like a fever dream? Kylie and Timothy Chalamet was a surprise to all of us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And I'm interested to see how it plays out. If Timothy Chalamet wanted to date you, would you say yes? Oh, my God. Wow. I think, yeah, especially when Timothy Chalamet first got big. All my friends were so obsessed with him. And I think he's so objectified almost to the point where I I just don't even want to bother. He is attractive and I don't really know what else to say about it. You know, if Timothy Chalamet wanted to date me, honestly, I'd probably be like, no, because I don't want the hate from all of the girls who are obsessed with you. See, I have the reverse answer. I would say yes, purely for fame and money. <laughs> purely. But if he was just like an average guy on the street, would I think he's alluring? No. If he was just, imagine like he And that is where we are different. Does he not give off the vibe, Emma, of like the guy that you like see when you're hungover at the grocery store and you'll be like, oh my God, I so regret making out with him the night before. Yes, but that's kind of like the point, I think. Uh, I don't (laughs) get it. I don't, I don't get the Timothy Chalamet effect. I'm so sorry, Timmy. I want you to live your best life. I want Kylie to live her best life. So if you're making Kylie happy, I'm so happy for you both, but- to me, he's giving the mistake makeout in college. What do you think was the oddest couple to you? Gigi Hadid really had a year. The strangest couples for me is Gigi Hadid and both Leonardo and with Bradley Cooper, because she now has been linked to both within this year. And I feel like wow. Gigi Hadid is living her very best life. Like to date Leonardo DiCaprio and Bradley Cooper in one year, would you ever cover? How do you go from here? I just wonder how, do you know Cody Simpson, like her first public boyfriend? 
Yes, I'm aware of who Cody Simpson okay. is. Okay, okay. I'm not a child. I know who Cody Simpson is. You're on an infant. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, what is Cody Simpson looking at this thinking, Gigi is flawlessly living her best life? Is he like, yeah. I am an idiot. I should never let her go. What is Zane thinking? I just have so many questions for all people involved. I guess none of us really saw Taylor and Travis coming. We did not see it coming. No, that's so true. Next question for you. Yeah. Favorite scandal of the year. What scandal is your Roman Empire? I'll say Gwyneth Paltrow's ski trial. And you skied into my back. And I lost a half a day of skiing. And symbolically suing for a dollar, I think is all just very, it's very on brand for her. And she's so fascinating to me. I totally agree. The trial was really iconic. She gave a lesson in pettiness, like betchiness in the best of way. <laughs> like when you could see her mouthing, I wish you well. That is a level of betchy that I will always aim to be. Like it was <laughs> iconic. Or like the, I lost half a day of skiing. It's just the right amount of out of touch. You know what I mean? It's very Delulu energy. Like we're all talking about way. Delulu energy thinking that it was invented by tiktok or whatever no it was gwyneth. gwyneth thank you gwyneth you've given us so much the yoni steam delulu okay i'm, not going, I'm not going for a yoni steam but <laughs> no don't try that um, at home for what sure was your top scandal i have a guess obviously scandal took over yeah. all of my brain power that was obviously amazing but there's been so many good scandals this year honestly or is... maybe we want to tone it down Look, maybe we should check out our favorite celebs. I feel like they're not doing okay. No. Ariana Grande and SpongeBob. Yeah. Scooter Braun losing all his clients. The Taylor Swift effect. That was long time coming. When? Kim and Courtney. I'm really worried about them. The whole, <laughs> I got married in Italy. Iconic, but I'm scared for their relationship. I'm sad to see sisters go through such a riff. We've had so many good scandals. 2023, great year for scandals, but I'm worried for celebrities. This is what I want in 2024. I want the return of girl groups, more examples of people looking out for each other, that kind of energy. Yes. I love that. Like more bestie duos. Like when Taylor Swift had her girl gang. Back when like Selena and Demi were best friends. Oh, I miss that time of life. Yeah. What do you feel like is the most defining moment for our society in 2023? Like what? Will you tell your grandkids about when they ask, what was 2023 like? I texted in a group chat yesterday and said, I don't remember who I was before the Barbie movie. That was a huge turning point for our culture. Barbie is the defining moment. And it kind of is like the bigger picture, too. Like we talked about with the bows. I I feel like 2023 was the return to girlhood. It was everyone dressing up in pink and going to see the Barbie movie, trading friendship bracelets at Taylor Swift concerts and singing songs that they loved when they were 13 years old with their daughters. And we had such this beautiful portrayal of healing our inner child and feeling like, quote, girly things are not this flippant, silly hobby. Hello, Barbie movie hitting records, Taylor Swift hitting records. No, it's it's real. Yeah, and it's important. Last question for you. I want to know what your 2023 era was. How was it for you personally? My 2023 era was the internet. Your therapist I, told you I'm not, that you are I am not, not the, the internet. I am not the internet. I know. But when I'm getting real with myself, this year I moved across the country because of the internet. The every girl 
exists in this office in Chicago, yes, but it also exists mostly on the internet. And mm-hmm. so I feel like this year I really grappled with my relationship with social media, with how I see myself, and also how I can bring more real life into my life and how I can do that more intentionally and how I have the opportunity to make a real life that is so beautiful and full and fulfilling. I think that's so beautiful to have that reflection on something that is so dominant. Like most people, their jobs are all on the internet. And then we're spending our free time. That's how we're connecting with people. Like it's taking up so much. So I think that's so powerful that it was such a dominant theme in your year, but also that you're taking this year to change your relationship to it and reflect on the relationship and what you actually want that relationship to be. Yeah. My goal is I am using the internet. The internet is not using me. Yes, queen. Yeah. So that was my era. What was your 2023 era? So in doing my reflections as I've been doing journaling and things, 2023 was the craziest year of my life. Honestly, like it was the year where so many of my dreams came true, which sounds so silly, but so many amazing things happened. Like it it really was mainly the podcast mm-hmm. and how much this grew. We've had the coolest guests. Like, yeah. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. So many of my dreams came true. But then it was also the hardest year of my life. I lost the most important person to me. My dog had a back surgery. Like, which I can't believe that was this year. I know. So I would say my era and kind of like what I've reflected on, I feel like this was the year where I like felt it all, where I really felt every feeling and I got such a huge scope of all that we're capable of feeling as a human being. And I always say this when I talk about like grief or sadness or loss. And so for anyone out there who's experiencing that also, it's like the worst thing in the world, but also how beautiful that we get a love so hard that when we lose that physical relationship, it breaks our heart. Like that is such a, a beautiful experience to get to feel. And so I feel like that's, What I would say is just being able to feel every corner of life this year, which I absolutely did. I felt the fear. I felt grief, loss. I also felt joy, excitement, pride for myself, pride for our company. I got to feel all the emotions. As humans, we're not meant to just feel happy. Glennon Doyle says, all feelings are for feeling, even the hard ones. Thank you guys so much for coming along the ride, for listening to us. For hanging out with us every week. It's quite literally been the honor of my whole life, truly. Aww. So I hope you've all had a great year too. We have a lot in store for you in January. Let's dive into the episode today because I am so excited about today's guest. I became an instant fan of Erin Leachy as part of the new franchise of Real Housewives of New York. I instantly loved her vulnerability, her humor, and her style from the very first episode. And I thought throughout the entire season, she was just so sincere. She was really candid about her sex life with her husband and feeling hurt in relationships. So I just found her really endearing. And I had so many questions for her. We talk about how she found her confidence. She also gives great behind the scenes tea for getting cast in Real Housewives, her reaction to watching herself the entire season. She also shared something really interesting about Abe, her husband's reaction to watching himself on TV. And to give you guys a little bit of context for those of you who don't know exactly what scene she talks about when we chat about in this episode, 
she's talking about a scene where she and Sai, one of the other housewives, are on a double date with their husbands. And they're talking about not having sex for a couple years and what they would do. And Abe had responded jokingly saying, I would go sleep with other women, basically. And he received a lot of backlash from that. So to set the scene for you guys, that is what we're talking about. You can tell that she does not hold anything back. She is not trying to hide anything. She is fully her authentic self. And that is what I loved so much about this conversation. If you're a Bravoholic, just wait until you hear her side of the story. Erin also has had an incredible career. I did not realize how successful she was in real estate. And her most recent venture is Mezcal Loom, a Mezcal brand that basically combines wellness with alcohol. So I obviously had to ask for her tips on success as well as the career advice she's learned from the other housewives. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this one. Please welcome Erin Leachy to the Evergirl podcast and have a wonderful end of 2023. Welcome to the Evergirl podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This season of Real Housewives, I feel like this cast, you guys are like exactly what we as fans wanted. It has fashion. It has powerhouse women. It has real, genuine friendship, which I think was so refreshing. How did you get casted on the Real Housewives? What was that process like? Um, I was recommended by one of the girls at the time, and it was really pretty quick. It was like, you should be on it too. You'd be great. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I spoke to a casting director and then you end up meeting the execs. And before I knew it, I got a contract. It was actually on my 35th birthday, which is so wild. So wild. I was like, if this is not meant to be, I don't know what is. And I really liked the cast. And I think that made it that much easier because it felt like the New York that I knew that I grew up in. And that was really exciting to me. Yeah, it felt more representative of what New York was to you, what your experience was. Yeah. Everybody had a different story and lived in a different neighborhood and different types of careers. And, but yet we're all like connected through one degree of separation, which is so New York. And I just thought it felt right. So Hmm. went for it. (laughs) So when that opportunity came up, was there any reservation for you, either knowing what Real Housewives had been in the past, knowing what scrutiny there is when you open yourself up to reality TV, like any reservations you had? Or were you like, I'm excited about this opportunity? Honestly, I think I went in a little blind. I don't think I realized what the scrutiny would be like. Obviously, now looking back, it's like I can't even believe how mean people can be. And I actually think it's something that collectively we should all be addressing because, I mean, thank God I'm okay and stable. But if someone's in a bad headspace and gets hit online with the bullying that goes on, it's just horrible. And I remember early on, before I really got hit with it, I was watching, I think it was like Alexia's boyfriend in Miami. He posted a story about this girl who had committed suicide because of the bullying she had on online. I remember it like struck me. And it's such a problem that people think that they can just attack people online behind the guise of their computers. And I don't know, I just, it's upsetting and you don't even realize that it it happens until you're in it. And then you're like, wow, this is a real problem. So I don't know Mm. what needs, like maybe the guidelines need to be stricter or there needs to be more oversight, I think. I didn't have reservations going in, but now that I know it's like, it's kind of a bad part of it all. And it is crazy because every single person in the public eye gets the hate. So it's like it has nothing to do with what you do, how you act. Every single person who's a public figure goes through hate, which like, why? So I agree with you that there needs to be 
more regulation or there needs to be a fix. Or maybe we have to look at like, why is hate the default? Why do we as a culture feel so natural and normal to reach out to someone we've never met and judge them? That's sort of the issue that we see with social media more than anything, because there is no barrier to entry. You can go on somebody's personal Instagram account and just rip them a new one. Yeah, there was public scrutiny, but there was a reporter or a journalist or even like a gossip mag that was like writing it and then someone was reading it and then they were posting like it wasn't it's so quick and it's so easy. It's almost too easy. That's the issue that it's still so new. So we haven't really figured out how to navigate it. That's so true. It's a different world with social media and having it be like a two way conversation, whereas before it was just the one way conversation of you consumed media. But now it's like you can respond to the media you're consuming, to the people that you see. It's so funny you bring this up because I actually was just talking to our podcast assistant about people are so mean on Instagram comments. And I cannot imagine, like, could you ever imagine not liking something someone posts, but feeling the need to comment on it, to announce that you're defollowing, to announce that you didn't like what you did? Like, I can't even imagine doing that. So it's wild how many people feel entitled to go vocalize their opinion on your social media. Knowing what you know now, would you have not done the show knowing how much bullying and hate there is? I'm not a person that can even go backwards. Like I'm already here. I couldn't say I wouldn't do it. I've learned so much and it opened a lot of doors. But does it like give me pause going forward? Does it make me think twice about things that I do? Absolutely. It's so tough to receive that. And you seem on the show like someone who is so confident and has that self-assuredness that I feel like is so hard to fake. Like so many housewives we see trying to fake that self-assuredness, but I think you really can pinpoint the people who seem so sure in themselves. And that was the first thing I noticed about you. Do you feel like that helped you? I think that's the only thing that's gotten me through. Like I have a really, thank God, and I feel very blessed, but I have a really big family around me. I'm really close with my siblings. I have really close friends that I can bounce ideas. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've sent things to my friends. I've been like, is this, do you think this? Like, do you think this about me? And they're like, Aaron, please, you know, like think around <laughs> in a way that like really helps. So I think if you have a support system and you're lucky enough to have that, it's such easier to go through these things. But I still had like really hard moments as well. So I don't think anyone can say that they're immune to it. It's just not possible. What got you through those hard moments? Taking a moment for yourself, like reading a book, taking a bath, trying to remember that this is just the moment. And like the truth is, and people give you this advice and honestly, we're very lucky, I'd say. And I know people, we've heard like the other side. So I'd like to set the record straight from my experience. I feel like I'm really lucky with the people at Bravo and our production. And they have been, I can tell you, invaluable through this experience. Anytime we need to call them, they're there. Anytime we need an outlet, they're there. They offer support. And that means the most because they get it. So they'll say things like, trust me, next week, they'll be on to something else. And like when you're in it, you're like, no, they're never going to forget that I like said Jenna wanted to fly, whatever. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I didn't mean it like that. And you get so sucked into it. People do move on. It's just like the loud sort of social chaos that happens at the beginning that you get so sucked into. But remembering that it goes away, I think that's the best. That's like the best way to get through it. That's actually great advice, whether you're a Bravo reality TV star or whether it's like drama in your friend group for people listening, that everything will pass because everybody's so self-absorbed at the end of the day that everyone's moving on to the next thing. Right. Like they're not going to be obsessed about 
a snippet of whatever, even like a fight with a friend, they're going to move on. And if they don't, then they're not good friends. Then that's their problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Then there's totally. something wrong with them. What do you think producers saw in you from the beginning that made you a good fit for this new franchise? Gosh, I asked myself. <laughs> I think I have a lot going on and I think I'm like dynamic and no bullshit. And I just can't fake it. Like there's nothing about my personality or my life that I'm able to put on a front. I just don't do that. I'm unapologetically myself. A lot of my friends have been like, why haven't you changed yet? And it's like, well, <laughs> I just don't know how. Like I'm exactly yeah. myself. So I think maybe that. It's hard to find the people that don't shy away from conflict, that are true to themselves, honest, but aren't like, the dramatizers, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of housewives and people on reality TV that you can tell are just doing things for the drama, like to yeah. be there for the show. Yeah. So I saw a lot in you right away that I totally understand what producers saw in you. Did you know any of the women before you started filming? Yeah, I knew them all loosely. I didn't know Jenna, but I we ended up becoming close. Sai, I knew. Brynn, I did not know. And Jessel, I did not know. We all kind of knew each other. Right? The fashion girls knew each other a little bit. Like Cy knew who Jenna was. Jenna knew Cy. Brynn and Cy were friends before. Uba and I actually were close before we started filming. Did it make the conflict with Uba feel harder than the Absolutely. other conflicts? Yeah, because you could tell so, that. That's why I said this is like the first fight I've had with her. And it was the first fight I've had in my life. It's not actually the hardest fight I've ever had. I've had literally punching matches with my sister as a <laughs> But I meant it kind of like in an exaggerated way. It was such a hard fight because we were so close. And being really close to someone in the confines of a situation like this show is important, you know? And she was like my person. Like I literally could look at Uva at any moment of filming and just start cracking up. You don't have that with everybody. And so when that happened, I was like, this is no longer a friendship that's going to be the same. And that is why I was so upset. And I feel like I was so taken aback by the way it all happened. Yeah. It hits a little harder when it's this friendship that you've sustained even before the show came along. And I always say, and could, because I really feel like this, when you are close with someone and you love them, it's okay to go through hard periods with them because that's when you learn. Like, I didn't know how important it was for her to like speak to her family every night. Like that just wasn't something I knew. Now I know. Do I wish it happened in a different way? Yes. But if you can move through it, that's a sign of a good friendship. And it wasn't overnight that we became close again. Really wasn't until like a couple months ago that we really felt like, okay, we're back. What do you feel like helped you get back? Obviously, we saw a lot of the communication between you and Uba, but was there anything that for you felt like, okay, I can let go of this and I can move on with our friendship? Every time we see each other, we, we're like magnets. When you have that with someone, we don't have to say what we feel about each other to know how we feel about each other. That doesn't happen all the time. And we're so different, but yet it's there. It's special when that happens with someone because I don't have that same feeling with every other girl on the cast. She's really probably the only one that I have it on that level. Mm -hmm. And I think like those are the friendships that you don't even have to like have the discussion. It just either comes back or it's over. Friendship chemistry is such a real thing that I feel like we don't talk about a lot. Like we talk about chemistry when it comes to romantic relationships, but friendship relationships is so real where it's like those people that you just click with. It's like the undeniable yeah. you click and then it's like you either grow together, or you move through conflict together. 
or it's the thing that breaks you. And the fact that you guys came back together, I'm sure makes your relationship even stronger than it was before. Definitely. Yeah. And now we can make fun of each other for the fight. I always love that in a friendship when it's in that place where you can like laugh about it now. I'm like, do you? That's so funny. So you guys like tease each other about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the time. It's just life. It's not to be enjoyed. You know, you got to make yeah. light of it. When did you and Uba meet? How long have you guys known each other? About three years now. And you just know each other through New York? Life. That's a New York thing. People always ask me about growing up in the city. And I have a very strong high school group. We're all still best friends. But what's interesting is that we didn't all go to the same high school. I went to Beacon, which was a couple blocks from LaGuardia, which was a couple blocks from York Prep, which was a couple blocks. And like, we just all would meet up after school. Like we have one of our best friends went to Bronx Science. It didn't matter what school we went to. We all had connected and formed this really co close group. And that's just such a city thing. So it's like, I don't have to know someone from somewhere to become really close with them in the city. I love that you have this core group of friends from high school. I think that's so rare that you can stay so close with people from your past. What do they think? Seeing this girl that they've known forever is now like this public figure on a real housewife. Like, is it wild for your friends? I think they just think it's like funny. My nickname is Rooney. They're like, oh, hey, Rooney, you're so cute on last night's episode. And then my guy friends all make fun of me. It's like very normal. That's so funny. Having like this very supportive friend group that you've had your whole life, was it hard for you now entering this group of a lot of new women that you didn't know, obviously, besides Uba? I'm comfortable floating around with different groups and I think different groups have different purposes. I think I was excited and comfortable and we all kind of gel in our own way. Like we all have our own little side relationships that are real and close to certain degrees. Obviously, some people are closer than others. But if I want to have a deep conversation, I'm either calling Jenna or I'm calling Uba. If I want to go out and like have fun and go drinking and laughing, I'm calling Cy or Brim. Like they all have different purposes in a way. But when we're out together, it is like a comedy hour because we just have so much fun. I feel like we just like riff off each other. I feel like that's so true that not every single friend is everything to everybody. Like you have your friends for different needs. What was the scariest or hardest part? of this whole experience for you? Like either a hard moment that we witnessed on the show or the aftermath, like you talked about, of so publicly putting your life on TV. There were a couple hard parts, but the hardest part was feeling misunderstood in a variety of ways. There was like, you know, a story that came out in the summer that wasn't necessarily true that made me look like I had certain values that are not my values. That was very hard for me. And I felt like Instead of people giving me grace and giving me a chance and hearing me out for who I actually am, it was like immediate judgment, immediate, she's bad, she's this, she's that, she doesn't like this type of person, and none of it is true or real. So that was really hard because I feel like when public perception or like a group of people want to hate you for something, it's really hard to convince them otherwise. And then the whole thing that happened with Jenna was a hard moment for me, too, because mm. everyone had known that she had flown like it wasn't like I was delivering new information. But the way it came off did come off kind of crass, but it became like she's throwing her under the bus. She's horrible to her and it's just not the kind of friend I am. And I've never been that kind of friend to her or anyone else. That was like a hard moment, too, because, again, it's like a defining moment that doesn't actually define me. For you, was that like that there was some editing involved that made it look a certain way or it was like, oh, I just didn't see the full picture. Now I would have handled things differently looking back. 
I mean, I'll own that I didn't deliver it properly. Like I should have given her more. Um, you know, the thing is also, I didn't know a lot of the things until I watched the show back. Yes, I was at her house and yes, she did have dental surgery, but I didn't know the level of discomfort that she felt being with all of us. Like she said it here and there, but I didn't know her well enough to like fully understand how bad it was to her. I really did think she that she just wanted to fly first and like she wasn't interested in flying with us. Like it just wasn't of interest to her. So I thought it was like a funny, silly thing, but that juxtaposed with like her being so upset about her genetic disorder made it look like I was being heartless. I don't think it's the editing. I think like I just, I wasn't being as aware as I could have been in the moment. And the same thing happened with Jessel. Like yeah. exactly the thing. Like, how did I know she had postpartum? She told me like in a funny way, oh, I haven't had sex in whatever, a year and a half. So I thought it was public information that we were like going to talk about because she delivered that message to us. I didn't ask her, how long have you had sex? Like she said it to me. Watching it back, I can understand that this was a very hard topic for her. But in the moment, I just didn't know. It is really interesting. I think that's just like one of the factors of being on reality TV. As the viewer, we're seeing these things because we're seeing their interviews. So we have context that you never had. So then we are watching it unfold, but you're in it. You're missing pieces of context. So I, I think what maybe looked like to the viewers, I could see was really just you doing normal things that we all do. We like make light of something that's our friend said or did. And we like make light of it and joke about it and laugh about it. But we don't know the full context, but the viewer knew the full context, but you did it. So to me, it makes total sense how it all got like misunderstood. But I can see why it would be so frustrating for you, whether it is on the show or with public opinion to feel misunderstood. Do you ever feel like I just want to set the record straight? I want to clear my name like you misunderstood me. Like, yeah. how do you not want to just like shout from your Instagram every time an episode airs? That is, that's definitely the hardest part. And I think that's been the hardest part for all of us. We're so fresh. We don't know what we're doing. We're not like seasoned reality people. Like this is new for us. And ultimately we all were ourselves. The good, the bad, the ugly is what people see. And it really is, it's real. It's truly real. None of this is made up. This is just dynamics and friendships and growing and ups and downs. Yeah, it's tough, but you learn. What did you learn about friendship going through this experience? I learned that sometimes you just need to be patient. I'm someone who wants things to be okay all the time. And for me, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk it through. Like, let's da 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 Like, I've learned through this process that sometimes I'm just going to take a step back and see how things happen instead of trying to make things better in the moment. Going through reality TV is almost like seeing yourself in this very honest mirror that you can see how you're interacting and almost like force yourself to be more self-aware than us yeah. normal people have access to. I know Jessel said that about her relationship. Now seeing how I play out with my husband and how my relationship is, like I want to act differently. I think that that's like a cool superpower almost that you get from going through it. I agree. I totally agree. Like I can be judgmental. I didn't realize that I can be judgmental, but I can be. That's something that I definitely saw that I didn't realize that I'm like on this level judgmental. <laughs> I can't even imagine for you, because if I had to watch myself on reality TV, I can only imagine that I'd be like, Josie, why did you do this? It's got to be so weird. But that's why I'm excited for next season to see like how your friendships grow, how you guys grow as individuals. I think that's such a cool part of reality TV. I want to dive into your relationship, your husband, Abe, Abe the Babe, as he is lovingly referred to. 
So you guys have been married for 10 years? Yeah, it's 11 now together. Wow. 13 years. Crazy. You want to say these words. Were you not a big relationship girl before you guys got married? I had a boyfriend in college for a couple of years, but I was not the girl. Like I would sit around with my girlfriends. I was in a sorority in college and they'd be like talking about their wedding. And I remember one time I got in a fight with them and I was like, this is fucking weird. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about our weddings and who we're going to marry and how many kids we're going to have and what age you want. Like, I just was so not in my even peripheral. Like I just was not that girl. I was all about having fun and blah, blah, blah. And after college, I really did have fun. I think I also grew up really young. So I had gotten a lot of this out of my system at a young age. And then I traveled for at least a year after college. I had a boyfriend overseas. Like I did all the things and it just happened. It just happened. And I wasn't expecting it. Either was he. He did not want to be in a relationship. He had broken up with someone I think a year and a half prior that he was with for a long time. So he was not interested. But it just... It just happened. I think also it's like when you meet someone that you that it's not like we met and then things ended for us. Like we kept doing the things we were doing. Like we were really into music festivals. We would go to festivals together. So it's not like, okay, I'm now dating him. So this has to end. It was just like now I'm doing it with him. That's a really phenomenal relationship tip. Like we all think of marriage as like, oh, your life's totally different now. But it's like, no, you just are adding a plus one to a wonderful life. Right. Right. You were 24 when you got married? I was a week away from 25. I live in LA and I feel like New York and LA are kind of the same in the way that like I'm 28 and I would feel like a child bride. So Everybody called me a child bride. <laughs> Everybody called me teen mom. I think I had my son when I was 28. Such like, a big city mom. thing. Literally teen mom. I'm like teen mom. <laughs> almost 30s. But no, but I mean, I'm the youngest one with a nine-year-old. I have one friend that has a kid my son's age. So it's interesting. But it sounds like you packed in so much life that you didn't feel like you were giving up anything. I think I'm a life packer. A life packer. I think that's what I do. I feel like my life is so chaotic because I'm doing so many things at once. I have three kids. I have three businesses. Like I just, it's a lot, but it's just how I tend to operate. I always joke that like I figured out my ADD. You know what I mean? I figured out how to use it in a productive way. Maybe it's also because I come from a really big family. So I'm used to like everyone around and this one has this opinion and that one has that opinion. Let's do this together, but let's do that. Let's go here. Let's go there. I'm used to it. So that's just how my mind works. So many people have been conditioned to think if you get married, if you become a parent, you have to give up things. And you're such a great example of you get to add things. It's not something you have to give up. I'm sure you feel like there are things that you had to give up. I don't know, maybe like spontaneous getaways or I don't know, whatever. Oh, but, yeah. but you are adding more to your life rather than having to change or remove everything. I mean, peace of mind, I've lost. But aside, <laughs> aside from that, yeah, it's so true. And one thing that I took from my relationship with my dad is he would always say, your kids have to come into your life. Your life isn't changing for them. Your life stays the same and they're now part of it. An example of that is I had a job that I was contracted for at, for Art Basel, Miami, and it happened to fall on my son's ninth birthday, December 7th. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to leave him on his birthday. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a good mom and I'm going to do my job. So I flew him into Palm Beach and I dropped him at my mom's house. She's there now half the year. And then I took an Uber down to Miami to host the event and then came back that same night and then flew home with him. So like, you can do more than you think. It's just about coordinating and adjusting more and being 
a bit more flexible in the way you think things through. I think that's the secret to doing a lot. I hate this idea of like having it all. I think that's a perfect example of it's not about being the perfect mother, perfect in your career, perfect in every area. It's like we get the freedom if we think about it to design our lives the way that we want so that we can make everything work together rather than feeling like we have to keep things separately. There's a lot of ways that we can get creative to design our dream lives instead of just kind of going with the status quo. Yeah. Do you know the podcast Not Skinny But Not Fat? Yes. Love. I love Amanda. She's a friend. And she always says, you can be a mom, but you can still be a dumb bitch. And I think that's (laughs) good because it's so true. It's like, you have to be this like perfect mom. Like, no, you can be yourself. You can can be a dumb bitch. You can be a dumb bitch and be a mom. It doesn't have to take over your identity. And I love the advice from your dad of like, your kids are coming into your life. You're not changing your life for them. Can you share some of your secrets to your relationship for people out there that are like, I want a 10-year relationship that seems as happy and like spicy as your guys' seems. What are your secrets? Like, what do you think contributes to your success? We make sure to have fun together. So whether we're like, whether it's like going to a concert or just like having dinner, which by the way, we're not good at because we're so busy that we don't often get time to have a dinner, go out. It's few and far between, which is actually bad and something we need to work on. But like, We try to make sure that even if it's like with friends or we're going to some sort of event that we have fun together because those are the times that we actually communicate and talk about things and ideas and this and that. The other thing I'll say, and there's no like perfect science to it, but like if you meet someone and you have that spark, you can keep that alive. But if that was never there and you're settling, you can't really get it later on. We always had that. And so we keep it alive. Sometimes it's like really dim. Sometimes I like can't stand him. And I'm like, can you just not (laughs) three days so that I can have a break from you? But it's always there. So we know how to like rekindle it if we want to. But a lot of times I've had friends and more and more lately that their relationships are fizzling out. And it's like, well, that spark was never really there. Mm. So find ways to keep it alive. But if it never existed, sometimes it's better to just move on. Yeah. The spark can dim. And you can work on it to make it grow back, but you can't create a spark out of nowhere. I I don't believe you can. People need to remember that relationships have such up and downs, such highs and lows. And like, it's okay if it's slow. Just that it's like the end or that something horrible is going to happen. It's just slow. It's just like me. Yeah, it ebbs and flows. I've heard a lot of people say that when it comes like the Real Housewives franchises, husbands cannot win. Like if a husband gets involved, everyone has a problem with it. If they don't get involved and don't defend their wife, everyone has a problem with it. What was this experience like for Abe? He was actually, I'm going to tell you this here. I don't think I've said it anywhere else, but he's really upset about the comment he made at dinner because people were saying things like, oh, he must be cheating on his wife. He seems like a terrible father. Speaking of husbands, he just called me. (laughs) God, they always Um, do that. You know, they always know the wrong time to call you. (laughs) What was I saying? Oh, yeah. He was really upset about that. People came after him for that. I get that everything everyone says people are going to dissect, but for something that was such a joking comment among friends out to dinner, it's hard to see how people take these comments and run with it. I know. It's crazy. So I'm sad that was so hard for him, but I get it. Like I, I would feel the same way. Yeah. And I actually like, because of it, I like had to send a text out to our family chats and things being like, be easy on him. This was a hard moment for him. And it's new. Again, it's new. It's so new. 
I know that some other franchises, they'll say like marriages are off limits or kids are off limits and they have these kind of like boundaries with each other. Also with Jessel and her husband, there was a lot of conversation looking into filming in the future. Do you have any way that you feel like you want to change how you address or even protect your own marriage or other cast members' marriages? It's so hard for me to say because I'm such an open book. I don't think that I would be good at filtering or like masking. Like if I was annoyed with him, I, I wouldn't be able to be like, you know, if he was like, Aaron, don't be annoyed with me on TV. I don't think I'd be able to not be annoyed with him if you know what I mean. So no, we really never had the conversation. I think like the big thing for us was the kids can be on it as much or as little as they like. And it ranged from one time we were filming and my son came home and was like, why didn't they give me a mic? Like mic me up. And then another time they were like, we're not interested. And so we were like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. So I think giving them the autonomy of how they want their relationship to be with the show, that's up to them. So that's one thing that we've aligned with. And other than that, though, fair game. Fair game. I love your son being like, where's my mic? Like he's a little little superstar in the making. My God, the crew was cracking up. I actually wanted to ask you about the iconic double date with Cy and her husband for actually the opposite reason of I thought it was so empowering and so cool to hear you guys joke open heartedly about your sex life and be open about that. I thought it was such an iconic moment when Cy said, like, what planet are you on after you were talking about unicorns and and swinging and stuff? And and you're like, planet New York. And I just was like, that's iconic. That's the way of the future is that we can be open Whatever works for everyone's marriage, it feels so outdated to be judgmental about sex. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels so outdated. So I loved that conversation. Is having an open marriage really that common in New York? Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't. And it's a joke. And he is so annoying with it. And maybe in later years that will happen. But it's certainly not even a topic right now. And honestly, I think we would both feel weird about it ultimately. But we have friends that do crazy things. Being in L.A., that's how I feel, too. It's just normal to be different than the status quo. You're open-minded. Like, Abe and I are not closed-minded people in any facet. So we certainly wouldn't be in our sex life either. Or in what's acceptable or what's not. The only thing that was surprising was not having sex for a long time. That, (laughs) I'm closed-minded about that. Like, that's where we draw the line. Not having sex? No. That was was like, whoa, that's crazier (laughs) to me than anything else. For listeners in a long-term relationship who are looking to spice up their sex life, I feel like you've got to have some good advice on how you and I keep it spicy. I was just saying this to someone earlier, you know, those like fun beach read books that get like steamy, like those always really help. It's different when you're reading a book than watching a movie. Because when you're reading a book, it's all imagination. And when you're having sex with someone you've been with for almost 15 years, you need to use your imagination as well. <laughs> So steamy beach read, that's the secret. They're good. Those are great. And music is great. Oh my God. I have a funny story about Uva. We were in a car going to a party one night and she was playing the song for me. (laughs) And we were listening to her. I was like, oh, this is really good. She was like, don't you dare steal the song. This is my sex song. My sex song. I was dying laughing. Her delivery was way better. And then when she realized that she had told me it was a sex song, she was like, don't have sex with the song. This is my sex song. But did you have sex with the song? I didn't. She wouldn't send it to me because I was like, I want to, please. But I think like music is really good, obviously, for that. Just carving out time. Like we, again, we do not do this enough, but like going to dinner. Just go to dinner. Set aside time. So important. It's so hard to do, but it's so important. Having dinner at home just is not the same. Because I think it's like being in a different environment. Like that's talking about the spark. When you're in a different environment, you're out of your home. You don't have to be like, mom Aaron or business person Aaron you can be wife Aaron like Aaron with Abe 
That's a different feeling. Yeah, we could just be friends and catch yes, up. It's have nice. fun. So you don't know the song title that Uba has sex to because yeah, I need to know it. I'll yeah, find Uba. I'll send it to you. Yeah, let me know. I want to pivot a little bit into your career because like I said earlier, one of the reasons that for me, this cast was everything we needed and more is because each of you are powerhouses in your own right. You've each built empires. You're incredibly accomplished. Can you give our listeners a little background in your career before Housewives? How did you get into Homegirl? So I was always a working bee, a busy bee. When I was in college, I actually got my real estate license because my family works in real estate. So at 19, I had my license. I started working summers. And then right when I graduated, I was working on a new development building with my mom. It was like construction site, middle of the winter. And she was like, I can't show. It's too cold. You deal with it. So I started showing it and ended up getting blocked by the head of new development at the company at the time. And he was like, you're really good at this. Let's keep it going. So I ended up selling four new development buildings at the time I was 23 and ended up going, you know, crazy and ended up going to to get my master's at NYU in sustainable development because I just like fell in love with it. And development has a lot to do with construction. Obviously, it literally took two prerequisite courses that were in construction. So I learned so much. My parents have always flipped homes. Like I've lived on construction sites. So when I started working at Frederick's team, um, Frederick Eklund, he was in a million dollar listing. I started working on really high net worth clients, apartments that would just have these horrible renovations. Like they'd spend a million and a half dollars, but they'd turn a potentially four bedroom into a glorified one bedroom with a home office. It would all be like neutral colors and there's no warmth. So like people would walk in and walk out. So we'd have to lower the price. And ultimately, a lot of our clients would lose money. So that's when I had that spark went off for Homegirl, which was why not renovate properties for clients with the market in mind as well. And I, it was proof of concept for me because I ended up building a two-family townhome in Bushwick at the height of the Bushwick market. And I really designed it by the future demographic. And I knew who that would be by my market research. I knew they were going to come from the East Village or Williamsburg and literally my buyer was from the East Village. I did these things that I knew that they were looking for by moving to this part of Brooklyn. So that's where I started that business. And most recently, I started Mescaloom, which is my pride and joy right now. And it's been great. Talk to me about that, because doing research for this, I was so interested in just like how you approach the launch of the Mezcal brand as well. I loved that it was focused on intuitive and mindful drinking, like you're kind of bringing wellness into the conversation with alcohol, which obviously doesn't happen a lot. So why start Mezcaloom and why was mindful drinking such an important piece of it for you? I started seeing a real shift in the culture and in the industry around drinking. And I remember from like just historically growing up and everything being targeted by alcohol brands was always deeply rooted in partying and over drinking and that whole culture. I mean, even like the Jersey Shore, like just the culture that we were fed was about drinking a lot heavily. I fell in love with Tulum like 12 years ago, even I went there and really fell in love with it. And I remember we were given these like mezcal shots and I felt so good from it. I woke up the next day. I actually did a really big workout and I was just like, what was this? And mezcal is so different than tequila because tequila is made from one type of agave. It's whoever agave, while mezcal can be from like so many different agave species. And that changes the dynamic of the drink. The other thing is tequila only has to be 51% pure agave. Well, the other parts of it can be like additives. That's why sometimes it tastes like vanilla or caramelly. 
Whereas by Mexican law, mezcal has to be 100% pure agave. So you're literally drinking just pure agave. It's the most natural form that you can have a drink in. And doctors don't recommend drinking, but when they say, if you are going to drink, you should drink mezcal. If mm. that's how pure it is. So Tulum is a place where we've had really amazing times, spirited nights, like dancing to amazing DJs to like three o'clock in the morning. But I always seem to go for a beach walk the next day, have a green smoothie, have a yoga class. Like it's both. And the culture there is rooted in the balance. And that's where the idea of mescaloom, which is obviously Tulum mescaloom, that's where the idea was born. Let's bring this balance and this idea of dichotomy and this way of living where you don't have to give up these spirited moments, but you can still be mindful in how you're doing them. That's almost what we were talking about too with your personal life, with your family life is like questioning what we accept as status quo and knowing that we can have it all. Like we get to design our dream lives. So it's so cool to be like, I can have a fun night out dancing and then I can wake up and do a workout, go for a walk on the beach. Like we cannot feel like shit when we want a fun night out. And right. why shouldn't we expect more from our alcohol? Like why should we expect that? It's either like don't drink and wake up early or drink and then you're eating French fries and lying in bed for 24 hours. We've just been trained to think of alcohol in a certain way and it doesn't have to be that way. Think about what you're drinking. Think about the margarita and how much sugar is in there. Think about how many beers you're going to consume and what you're going to feel like the next day because of it. Like there's all these things that are in these drinks that we consume, we don't think about it. I mean, and I'm also just like kind of a health freak. So that's why I wanted the purest form. And actually, the species that we use is Espadine and Quiche. Quiche is wild agave, which is really hard to come by. So it has these probiotic properties. What? Oh my I God. I'm, I'm never going to drink anything else again. This no, is going to be a thing. <laughs> I can't go over if I drink wine now because it's so much sugar. I cannot wait to get my hands on some Mezcaloom. Your career is so impressive. I think you are such an impressive example to so many women. If you had to pinpoint something, what traits or experience do you credit for this major success? Taking risks. I've always been prone to risk, but I just don't think that you can ever achieve everything you want unless you take them. I think you just kind of have to go against the grain. And even if you're scared, just do it. And sometimes you'll fail. I had a business that failed and it was the best looking back experience ever because it taught me so much. You don't have to fail to make it on your next business. I don't believe that. Some people say that, but I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that what I know is that I didn't listen to my gut instinct at that time. And I knew what I was doing wasn't going to succeed. Yet I kept pushing through because of my ego or because I was already in it and I put too much money into it or whatever it was. So listen to that voice always and take risks. Have you learned any lessons from the other women in your cast or anything that like inspires you about their careers? I'm inspired by all of them, really. They all are incredibly hard workers. What Jenna's created is really cool that she's was able to change the entire culture of a business that had been established for so long and then to turn it into something revitalized and cool again and to have these concepts that weren't really accepted in the female consumer and then to turn it into something that like just even her style that's accepted. So I'm inspired by the way that she thinks for sure. And someone like Sai who works 24 seven, I mean, the girl doesn't stop, but she's always creating content. And it's not like my career choice, but it's fascinating, honestly. Just she's really good at PR. I mean, the girl is really freaking good. And Bryn is 
very smart, like extremely smart. And I would love to see her in action, like at work. I would love to like just follow her around and see her. And I've seen her do it in certain ways, even just with new business deals that she's had. She just knows how to negotiate. And Uba, like Uba just hits you with her presence the minute she walks in the door. You can't look away. Yeah. Uba sells herself. I feel like, like Uba hot, genius. It is delicious. Okay, you got to try that too. It is really good. My husband is obsessed with it. That's what I love about this franchise, about you guys, is like, we want to see your careers. Like, it's not just about the drama. It's not just about the friendship dynamics. You each are so incredibly accomplished that it's so inspiring to watch rather than just like your guilty pleasure for drama. Love it. Okay, Aaron, we are going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. So first one, this episode will be our last of 2023, which is crazy. What is the biggest lesson that you learned from this year? To be more present. Mm, That's a great one. Next question. I feel like I have to ask this to a New Yorker. What is your go-to coffee order? Oh, my God. Honestly, regular black coffee with like a touch of half and half. I feel like that is a New York answer. Nice and classic. I don't need all the stuff. All the fancy things. Outside of your franchise, your favorite Real Housewife of all time. Ooh, that's tough. Maybe Nini. Nini's a good one. So funny. So funny. Yeah, she's like meant to be on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Next question, your 2024 era in one word. What does that mean? Like your vibe, your intention. What one word you're going into the year being like, this is who Aaron is this year. World domination. Uh, Aaron, good answer. (laughs) I want to dominate my categories at work. I really want to like crush it this year. That's like Iconic. my... Okay, last rapid fire question. A book that changed your life. Oh my gosh. The Law of Attraction. Classic. Yeah. Such a good one. Erin, where can everyone find you and obviously buy Mezcalum? Follow me on Instagram, Erin Dana Leachy and Mezcalum.com. We're restocking. We sold out actually of all of our stock in December. So starting January, but you can order it online. For January. Okay. Do you know you have a, a date for season number two yet? No, no clue. Okay. So stay tuned on that stay one. Tuned. Exciting. Erin, thank you so much. This was seriously so much fun and so great That's to talk fun. to you. You too. You're so sweet. Have a great holiday and a wonderful new year. Happy new year. I hope you guys love that episode. Next week, stay tuned for a very resolution manifestation focused episode. I'm going to be sharing my favorite tips for resolutions and making this new year your best year ever. So stay tuned for that. And if this episode left you any value or you enjoyed it at all, don't forget to leave a review. It is the best way to support our show. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week in 2024. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.